ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the From the Back Tees podcast, a podcast from the Back Tees. <coughs> Excuse me. How in the hell are you folks? I'm Jerry Lou, your co-host, and with me as always is my other co-host, Zach Pencer. Zach, how in the heck are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited to be back. It's been like a month-long hiatus. Uh, well, at least it was only a month. I mean, you were on holiday recently. Uh, d- tell our fans where, you, uh, where you've been uh, globetrotting. I was traveling the Algarve of Spain and Portugal, because it's the, the cheapest what? place to travel. Spain and Portugal. The Algarve. What, the Algarve. Isn't that Garth's last name in Wayne's World? I don't know. Have you seen Wayne's World? Nope. I haven't seen oh, it. Oh, you, I'm going to get shunned well, for more TV shows I don't see. Well, it's, it, look, let, let me put it this way. I watched a lot of the movie Wayne's World as a kid, and it wasn't a, a go run out and see it. You don't need to do that or whatever, but it's... Uh, Damn it! Now I have to explain it. It's, it makes it less funny. But uh, Dana Carvey, it's from an old SNL sketch that was actually pretty decent, I guess. But uh, Dana Carvey played Mike Myers, the sidekick on like a rock and roll TV show, and he was the blonde guy with the glasses. I'm sure you've seen. Yeah, yeah. no, I've seen. Like, I've, I've seen, seen Bill and clips, but I mean, I know exactly what they look like and what's up. That's why I don't need to see it. Yeah, I know but, who uh, Wayne's World looks like. Garth's last name is Algar. So oh, close. I, I just wasted two minutes of airtime, and the joke is just completely didn't get blown out of the water. It just kind of like scuttled itself. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> now we know his last name in Wayne's World. Now you know. Now you know. Oh, now the people <laughs> listening know who who haven't watched it. Uh, so, so in the the you were in the uh, Algarve of Spain. The Algarve, yes, I think that's what it's called. That area, it's Spain and Portugal. It sounds Game of Thronesy. Like, yeah. You're in the fair. high Lothgar with the Hothgar and the Algarve. Very, very great. The Esberian Peninsula. Guess how much beers cost in Portugal. Um, At a lot of places. Well, what's what's the exchange currency rate like? I mean, uh, I, one euro is like a dollar fifty Canadian and like a dollar ten US. I think. Don't quote me. Or th- so, okay, so they use euros. Um, I would say one is it twelve ounce or sixteen ounce? Sixteen ounce. A pint. Oh, so, okay, a pint of beer. Um. One euro. Fuck. You got it right. <laughs> <laughs> I never get shit like that right. Cheaper than water. Well, I shoot, I was listening to, um, gosh, our friends over at uh, Sports Travel Radio, um, uh, Ty and, oh, shucks, I, I listen to... The Dingers I, I Pod? Like I, I only listen to the Dingers Pod mostly out of all their shows they do, and uh, I keep forgetting the other fella's name because I'm friends with Ty and I need, to, I need to get better at that, but they're always cracking open beers and... <laughs> They were talking about how one time one of them was drinking like Bud Light or something. They started talking about how much it costs in Canada for a case, and I'm just like, oh my god, you guys like they treat American beer like Australian products. I mean, it's just like, it, oh my, American domestic beer or at least domestic for us, I guess it's imported for you guys should not be very expensive. That's very unfair charging. Like, no, yeah. Oh my god, I can't even fathom. They shoot the prices up. International oh, beer. Of- Speaking of Ty's friend Smitty's tweeting me right now because I'm I'm, I'm in a I'm, I'm in a boiling pot right now about my little meltdown I had about the range yesterday and now now I'm having to track down all these loose ends and beat them with my shoe. Oh yes, people are very concerned about you. <laughs> <laughs> Look, just keep me off the. I got new irons. I was wasn't feeling very well yesterday, so I was trying to do something physical to snap out of it. And golf is the only physical thing I know. And uh, yeah, like I was telling Leroy, I I, I like topped. 20 shots in 30 minutes, and I haven't done that in a whole freaking year. Like, from 365 days to last year, I haven't topped that many golf balls. I mean, it's just, it's so ridiculous. And 
yeah, I was definitely melting down and venting at the same time. But I'm, it, it kind of speaks to that whole firm believer that I am of like with Brooks Kepka and whatnot, where it's just kind of like, fuck practice. We don't need practice. Go out there and perform, you know. And if if you're not performing good, do better. No, exactly. Period. That's I'm... why I can't write a golf instruction book because I just that that's what it was, cover to cover. I'd just be like, you'd open up like chapter one, do better. First sentence, first paragraph, do better. The end. That's my advice in golf: is just shut up and do better. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, we're recording this at 11 a.m. my time, so I guess 8 a.m. your time. I'm actually going to the course after this. I'm, I'm going to have to avoid avoid the rain. I'm going to tell everyone Jerry told me. It's going to cause uh, much distress. Now, look, I, as, I've, I've, as I've made a big point in my tweets, I was showing that this is just me. Like, at my level, I've been playing golf 30 years, Zach. At this level of my golfing career, I just there is 100% nothing beneficial from the range. Like, after going to the range, like, the rest of the day, my elbow hurt. And, like, I have, like, these new calluses on my hands. Like, why why, why, why would I do that? Like, I could for sure see that. I feel like a lot of, like, especially pros or people who play a ton, they don't really need to go to the range if you're playing, like, almost every day or hitting somewhat. I think Cameron Tringali, and I'm definitely going to get this wrong because I picked the heads when it should be tails, but uh, I think he, and I heard this a couple years ago, so I don't know if it's current, but, uh, oh, the dictionary.com word of the day is Donnybrook. Excellent. Um... We haven't done this in this early in the morning. My phone's going off. With you have to use that in a sentence, uh, right? Um, <laughs> free, I got to turn this phone over. It's going to crack me. Um, but it's Cameron Tringali either practices only fifty-yard shots or more, or or the other. Like it, it's it's either he practices zero short game or zero full swing. I forget what it is, but I, I saw him and I heard him talk about it once, where he said essentially that it's just like I think it's. See, I, I, and I always, like, in my head, I'm trying to advocate, like, one over the other, being like, well, obviously it's this, not this. I'm like, no, if you're a really good golfer, I can see yourself just never hitting a range ball. and just like, It works both ways. Maybe. I mean, you know what I found helps the most, in the, the, like, for my round? Stretching. That's it. Just stretching. We all can do that anytime as we're talking, as you're listening to this. You could all just, you know, try touch your toes. It, after 30 minutes, you know, you probably can. All of us probably can. I mean, it's it's it's, it's weird like that. I almost thought I couldn't make it through boot camp because I wasn't flexible. So, anywho, uh, yeah, I I maintain fuck practice. That that's gonna be the T-shirt that I make, and I'm gonna sell one to myself. I like it. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I apologize. I just and, and that and I don't know. I was in a bad mood because I I caddied for a friend recently, uh, Bill Bowling from uh, Pasadena, Maryland. He uh, was in a men's league that I ran when I was an assistant pro about eight, nine years ago, but he brought some cohorts out here on a work trip, and he had gotten better at golf. He went from, like, an eight handicap to, like, a two. Bill Bowling is an amazing golfer. Love uh, love hanging out with that guy, but shout-out Sherman William Paints. But um, he, uh, his five, like, coworkers slash clients that he brought with him, uh, now look, sorry, Zach, I'm sorry. This is going to probably be another unpopular opinion, like my, uh, my, um, fuck practice thing but and I was trying to word this in a tweet in my head and that's why I didn't send it out because I couldn't think of it proper but I was trying to think of it in a certain way where it's just like sucky golf affects nobody's life but me but that's just because of my line of work it's like when I am catting for someone and like or two guys and like one like hooks at 100 yards left and one like blocks at 100 yards right I have to go and I'm carrying both their bags it's like I gotta do my best to try and take care of both of them and it's like it, it, it was. It's been hot recently, and I I didn't get a really caddy for my boy Bill until like the last nine holes of the seventy two hole affair. I mean, they came right in. They flew right in at four p.m. on a Saturday, teed off, 
played 36 holes on Sunday, and then they were the first tee time off yesterday. So in, like, essentially a 44-hour period, they crammed in four rounds of golf. I mean, and I was right there attached to the hip with them the whole time. And one guy had a rental bag. Okay, should be light. He had, like, 40 pounds of bullshit in there. Like, he, like, he had, like, a purse and, like, a backpack and just, like, I don't know, some, like, some one other guy said, like, I think he had a laptop in there. I was like, if there was a laptop in there, I would have come out swinging at the Just turn. a brick? Right. But, but look, even so, um, uh, my buddy, uh, uh, Brandt, uh, I, I, he's more tied in with the Cabot Lynx guys over there because he works for an international cruise line that specializes in golf trips or whatever. But when he came out to Band Dunes as a scouting, uh, as a scout trip for, um, whatchamacallit, for the, for the cruise that was going to be there in a couple of days, he got a rental bag because he didn't have clubs. And then he put a drone in the rental bag and I kind of looked at him funny. I'm like, that better not be heavy. And he's just like, he kind of looked at me and said, well, this is the only thing I have in the bag. I'm like, okay. So, so I the bag wasn't heavy. It turns out, and that was actually kind of fun to be like, oh, I'll happily carry your toys if it's not heavy, you know, while you like not golf and like send a drone up while we're in the group and everything. I mean, there's drones out there all the time now. Really? Oh, okay, I guess it's so beautiful. But that's not a local recreational thing. I mean, that's that's not something that's uh, that there aren't drone enthusiasts around here. Like I was, I've been thinking about getting into it. and I guarantee you, I'd be probably the only one out of like the thirty thousand people that live in this fifty mile. Whatever the radius is here, the cap. Anyways, so what, uh, yeah, what you're saying up. is, though, I shouldn't bring my superstitious brick, my lucky brick, to my next golfing no, what outing. I'm saying, what I'm saying is, I, I'm, I'm going to tangent enough that we'll get back to our original thing where I don't need to practice at my point in my career. There are a lot of golfers that, yeah, you do still need to practice. I like my swing, I like my contact, and uh, I don't need to work the ball much, but if I do, I can. It's mostly just focusing on like the surface, the putting greens to me. I mean, because the cl- like private club that I play at has like the slowest greens ever. I swear to God, they're stimped at like a five. I mean, it's or four. It's bad. And the pr- trouble is, they look really good too. But I have to take like I have a Nike putter that I just use for only out there because it feels so good. And I essentially putt with like a hingy wrist, like I'm just like hitting slap shots, kind of hard to be like, hey, you got to add five hundred percent to this putt. Like wow. mini putt. I mean, what's that? Like mini putt. Yeah, kind of, yeah, probably worse. But um, but anyways, yeah. You, Practicing helps, especially if you're trying to get through something or learn something. If you're satisfied with your game, that like like I am, because I'm actually satisfied with my game because it keeps getting better and I don't have to really work at it at this point. I'm lucky like that. I've I, I I've tipped. I found like that 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 peak for my game, and it just so happened it was like right before I turned 34. For crying out loud, it was just a very weird. Like I've been golfing 30 years, but only turning for power the past 29 like only the past six months i mean it's very interesting how how late evolution can still apply to golf for everyone individually and that's what makes it art is because of our all individual like uh struggles and interpretations and growth and it's all going to be different so that's why folks i maintain it's all about six inches behind the ball and six inches in front of the ball nothing else matters focus on that foot at the bottom who gives a crap what your look swing your swing looks like just somehow get that club to where you need to at the bottom. And then that, who cares? That's why I like Ho Sung Choi so much. After he hits the ball, who gives a flying fornication what he does? Or it's Matthew Wolf, how he hits it before the ball. I'm sure when he goes for the contact, it's perfect. Well, see, now he's taught me that I need to... Uh, exactly. He's a good example of that, too. Like I, I like to think Jim Furyk. Like, you take Dustin Johnson and Jim Furyk. Those are two examples of very different swings and very different like ball flights, obviously. and But they're also very different ages. But they're just trying to get the club back down the same way. I mean, or, or whatever. It's 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 all about, really, in my opinion, the six inches behind the ball. That is really what it's about. 
but if you want to interpret it to like folks think about like you put two dollar bills down there depends on what country you're from and the size or whatever it's like you could overlap them a little bit but i mean that, the proper divot's supposed to be about the size of a dollar bill i mean that's that's a, an american dollar bill that's mm-hmm. that something byron nelson said and he was such a great iron striker they often said he played out of his own divots in the second third and fourth round because he was just so freaking automatic that's why they call it the iron byron machine that's why i said when they had that debate about who's part of what game you take like byron nelson's irons iron, <sighs> irons irons for sure i mean he Everyone said, well, he was the first to use steel shaft. It's like, yeah, he was the first to learn steel shaft. I mean, he hit whatever. It's a whole different ballgame. What's that? He hit whatever. Mm. Well, it was also, I don't remember what year he started golfing, but I mean, it was right when, I mean, hickory was the only thing we used, and it broke a lot. I mean, nobody really ever had clubs that lasted a long time, so. Have you ever used a hickory set? What's that? Have you ever used a hickory set? I, I always I want to try. I know of a couple hickory clubs in the in the Caddyshack locker room that are sitting in the corner there. That there, and it's funny because it's like one has like a weird metal shaft, but like a old head, and then one has like a newer head, but a hickory shaft. Like there's only one oh. club in there that's like a true, like and they're all pretty busted up. I mean, it's the it's the Caddyshack locker room. If you if you want your stuff stolen or don't care, that's where you put it there. <laughs> I mean, it's like those, those caddies can be fiendish people, so. Uh, so we got some stuff to get into here. We're not going to talk about too much. We'll talk about golf last week with the Northern Trust and Patrick Reed winning. We'll talk a little bit about the BMW Championship at Medina. I haven't even looked at my picks yet. I'm just going to cr- uh, crank out the machine, open it up right now in front of us, uh, and I'll get some uh, stuff for you there. We'll try to shoehorn a little Tiger in there, too, because of his little withdrawal and his alleged attempt to play here in Chicago. Also, we have a new team member. Uh, Zach, who is, uh, who's our new team member? Let's get that out of the way real quick. So, I'll give it to you once. I'll give you once his actual name. He goes by Andrew, but for the sake of the site, he's writing under Dumblefore. Great name. Yeah, Dumble, Dumblefore. I like that. Now, uh, what's his background? Where's this cat from? So, not sure exactly where he's from, because, I don't know, he just writes over the interweb. But he will be writing for us... Uh, what I find we're missing sort of is like a preview going into the weekend post-cut okay. of every okay. tournament. So we sort of got everything covered now. We got a preview, yeah. a DraftKings preview, a middle of the tournament, a recap. A post. Yeah, I like that. Well done. Well, Andrew, uh, welcome aboard. Uh, sorry uh, that I'm late to the party here. I've been working a lot and Zach's been on holiday. So it's uh, sorry I don't have your last name or your vitals here right in front of me. We're back on, though, for our weekly pod. We've made it yes, back. back on, which reminds me, something we want to get to real quick before we get into the rest of our bullcrap. Uh, Zach, the, yesterday, had the chance to interview Colton Heisey, um, basically a, a young journeyman caddy, so to speak, on tour, uh, the PGA Tour. And um, Zach just did this interview yesterday. I was, um, unfortunately, a little uh, exhausted from um, working and bad practice exacerbation, uh, be damned. I... Um, <clears throat> I did not want to take part in the interview uh, for fear of uh, not being able to uh, hold up my end of the deal. So Zach got to talk to Colton Heisey for about 20 minutes. And Zach, give us a little bio on uh, Colton uh, and like where he's been and where we can find him. So yeah. I know right, now, right now he's currently a free bird. He's an unemployed caddy. Yeah, so the quick preview is uh, he originally started working for, he actually worked for Matthew Wolf in college. He then went on to work for Max Homa for a little bit before his win, and I think they're still good buddies to this day. 
Then he went on to caddy for Mike Gellerman when he won in Kansas City this year on the Corn Ferry Tour. He then ended up caddying for Doc Redman, the up-and-coming star who finished second at the Rocket Mortgage. He was there for that behind the, the week Nate Lashley won. And then just last week, he was caddying for Eric Barnes. So, uh, yeah, he's definitely moving around to a bunch of players, but he seems like a pretty hot commodity out there. That He's gone for some pretty big names on both tours. And uh, it's an v- excellent interview, so I guess we'll tune you into that. So today we have a very special guest. He's carried the bag for many pros, including PGA Tour winner Max Homa, rising star Doc Redman. He's also carried the bag this year and won with Mike Gellerman on the Corn Ferry Tour and most recently for Eric Barnes this past week. However, the greatest thing about him is his career as a competitive cornhole player. I'd like to welcome on Colton Hazy. Colton, welcome to the pod. It's great to be on. Uh, Glad to be with you guys. I hope I didn't butcher your last name. Is it Hazy or Heisey? Heisey. 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 Okay, so did butcher it. (laughs) Uh, Not too bad. We we get, get a lot worse. Oh, perfect. Before we get into this year, let's start off with some background. How did you get to this point, and how did you get into professional looping? Uh, yeah, so it's, it's kind of been uh, kind of a weird journey, but I feel like everyone that uh, has got to this point either just kind of been a right place, right time situation, or just um, just kind of has their own story. That's kind of what's cool about caddying out on tour. Um, for me, I was... I had played golf in high school, played a year Division three in college, and then I was going to school um, at Westchester University in Philly, so I needed something to do during the summers to kind of help help pay for my expenses at college, and so I was club chatting at uh, Applebrook and Aronimink Golf Clubs, which are in, like, the Westchester, Philly area, and... Um, so I was doing that. I had caddied a PGA Club Pro event when I was, like, 16 back at um, Hershey Country Club, which was, like, right as I was picking up golf. And for whatever reason, I got hooked on it. The guy I was caddying for that week was tied for 20th going into the final round. And it's the PGA Club Pro tournament. Um, if the top 20 all qualify for the PGA Championship. And so we're going into the final round, and I'm 16. I'm like, oh, we're tied for 20th. Like, if he qualifies, like, maybe he'll take me to the PGA Championship. We go out. We fire 81 that day. He finished, like, 67th. He's livid. He's, like, threw his clubs at his rental car. And I'm just standing there, like, 16 years old, not sure whether I'm getting paid, like, just waiting for my check, just, like, trying to keep my mouth shut. And so for whatever reason, that got me hooked on caddying can't really can't really draw why um but it was just cool to be on that side of the bag and once i knew i wasn't going to play anywhere competitively that was kind of the draw that uh got me back yeah what so was then, your first uh, big gig yeah so i was caddying at the country club during school and me and my buddy he played at st joe's um in college and we were a little slow at the club the one summer, so we decided to call down to the U.S. Junior Am at Colleton River down in Hilton Head and ask if they needed caddies, and they said they needed a bunch. And we were like, all right, we'll come down, but, like, only if we get to pick our players because, like, obviously we were coming down for from, like, a distance. So we did that, and I, we just did a little research, and I ended up picking uh, Sahith Fagala that plays at Pepperdine. Um, he'll be a senior this year. And so I went down, caddied for him there, caddied 
the next year for him at the Northeast Am and kind of got introduced to some guys, met uh, like Nick Hardy and Sam Burns and those guys at the tournament, kind of became friends with them. Um, and then Sahith introduced me to Matt Wolf because they were both Southern California boys. So I caddied the USAM the next year at Oakland Hills for Matt. And so just did a couple AM events, did a couple more of the PGA Club Pros. And then after I graduated, I worked at Aronimink for the summer, then decided to move down to Jupiter and see uh, if I could meet some of the tour players down there and pick up something. And I was down there just caddying at a club, and Sam Burns and his buddy um, were down in the Bahamas, and Nolan calls me on the 13th hole of a club caddying loop, and he's like, hey, can you get to the Bahamas in two days? And I was like, uh, I wish, but I don't have a passport. And I'm like, who's it? I'm like, who's it for? And he's like, uh, Max Homa. And he's like, his caddy bailed, but he needs someone. So I'm like, all right, let me see like if there's any way I can get a passport in two days. And tried to figure that out. Couldn't get it done for that week, but he still didn't have anyone full time. And they're in the Bahamas, so no one like a lot of the like web caddies didn't really want to go down there on their own dime. And he was kind of in a bind, so I went and got my passport expedited the next week. Uh, my parents mailed me everything, and it was kind of a mess. Um, I got my passport at like six o'clock in Fort Lauderdale or in Miami on a Wednesday and flew out Thursday morning at like 8 a.m. That's, that's crazy. Uh, that's the, the long lengthened version of how I, how I got out on tour. But yeah, it was just kind of a lot of networking and kind of meeting the right people and just kind of worked out. But I feel like everyone has one of those stories out here. Yeah, is Max the same in person as he is on the Twitter board first? Yeah, yeah, Max is great. Um, worked like 14 weeks for him last year, and yeah, he's, he's awesome. Couldn't be nicer, and I mean, he was just a great guy to hang out with. We still talk. Um, I had dinner with him in Scottsdale when I was out of final stage this year, and then got to see him a little bit uh, when we played in Detroit. Um, was talking to him on the range for a good bit, so... Yeah, he's awesome. Um, it was a great first bag to have, too, because he had PGA Tour experience prior. There were a couple times we were in contention, and, like, obviously your first time out there, and this is, like, your first tour bag. We didn't play great on Sunday, so that was big learning experiences for me. Um, that was definitely helpful this year. And he had won the week before that we won this year in Kansas City, so that was cool because we were yeah, in a yeah. delay with a one-shot lead on 18. And uh, I actually texted him during the rain delay and I was like, hey, uh, I know you just had a rain delay when you won last week. Uh, got any advice for me to keep Michael calm here? So, I yeah, guess it works. He's great. Yeah, he's been, he's been great. Um, anything I've ever needed, he's always been there for either advice or any way he can help. So, yeah, it was, a, it was an awesome first bag to start with out here. Yeah, so I guess before we get to all the ups, I, we may as well start with how things went this week. And you were caddying for Eric Barnes, who's had a pretty solid season to date, but unfortunately missed out on the Corn Ferry Tour Finals by, I think, as close as you could get. What was it like coming down the stretch for you guys, and did you know you needed a birdie or maybe a par on 18 to stay in the top 75, or were you just playing it out? Yeah, so it was. it's kind of weird out there in Portland. They have the leaderboards up, and obviously you 
sort of know like who's around your number and like points wise and what kind of needs to happen. But there's no projected standings out there. So we had started the day off hot and we were in a good position early and made two bogeys to finish the front nine on seven and eight. And but we were still in a solid position. We had played the back nine well all week and he's played that tournament multiple times before and he, he, he had told me on Saturday the back nine's where he kinda makes his day. So we both still felt super comfortable. Um, birdied eleven to get back to two under on the day. And then on fourteen we hit it in the right rough and just kinda caught a flyer. Um, I mean we kinda we talked about it after and it's a shot that we would still pull the same club and hit 60 more times to put in that situation. Uh, just unfortunate. It went, went the hazard deep. So we ended up making double there. But coming down the stretch, it's like we're still, we were still in a fine position. We made, he made a like 35 footer on 16 for birdie. And we thought we probably needed one more. Um, it turns out that we probably didn't. We probably just needed to make par on 18, which is, hard to know but it's it's just tough out there because there's no projected leaderboards and these guys are out there playing for their jobs and yet don't even know what they have to do yeah a little frustrating looking looking at it from that perspective and i mean wishing that we would have known at least where we were at on the projected at that point um not necessarily that the hole would have gone different but we may have he may have had a little freer mindset stepping onto that d on 18 but yeah, this is what we need to about do. It now and yeah, yeah, next time yeah. around, you'll just have my number. I'll be crunching the statistics as we go. I'll give you shot right. by shot what you need. Yeah, yeah, it'd be nice to, out there to have that for sure. Um, I know, like the, I mean, the PGA Tour leaderboards all have the FedEx Cup coming down the stretch, but yeah. So, uh, well, this was a rough week. You've had no shortage of success this year. You actually won while working for Mike Gellerman at Kansas City. And uh, you had a second-place finish on the PJ Tour at the Rocket Mortgage with Doc Redmond. So I guess first we could talk about the PJ Tour finish. What's that like coming down the stretch where you don't have so much control necessarily over what's going to happen? You must have a lot of nerves as well, the huge crowds and everything. Yeah, so it was it was different because obviously the PJ Tour second came after the win, so I think I was a little bit more comfortable in that situation from my end at least. Um, but yeah, the PJ Tour crowds are definitely different. Um, I think there's a little bit of like a settling feeling though with all the people out there because there is actually crowds, so you're kind of just like you're feeding off that a little bit. And the difference in Detroit for us was we didn't really have a chance to win the golf tournament. So like the pressure of that was kind of gone. I mean, I know he was playing for a lot that week and obviously it was a big final round, but Nate Lashley was kind of running away with the golf tournament. So it wasn't like we were dealing with first time winning pressure out there, which is a totally different animal. Yeah. Were there any uh, crazy stories after the tournament from either of those guys or from the night out? No, not really. Um, I mean, we finished up and uh, it was just kind of just business as usual. We were, hey, were heading on to the next week. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, since you've worked, you've actually worked with many players over the last few years. Are there any challenges that you face? 
dealing with that, like inside or outside the ropes, not having as much familiarity with the players? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, it just depends. It really just depends what that guy's looking for. So, like, the start of this year, I worked for a buddy, uh, Trevor Cohn, for the first four events to get this year started. And he was just kind of looking for someone to work the events out of the country. Um, he usually takes the local caddy and isn't looking for, like, much out of his guy. So it just really depends what the player's looking for. Um, but, yeah, when, when you're working full-time for a guy, it takes some weeks to get accustomed to exactly what they're trying to do with every golf shot. And, I mean, obviously, the more familiar you are, the more comfortable you are um, kind of, like, giving your kind of knowing before he hits the shot what he's trying to do with that golf shot. For sure. And you've also you've worked on the PJ Tour and the Corn Ferry Tour. What do you think the biggest difference is between those? Um, the biggest difference for the caddies is definitely just uh, like the treatment, um, the treatment of the caddies out on the Corn Ferry Tour compared to the PJ Tour. Um, and obviously a lot of that has to do with the money the tour is able to spend towards that. Um, but, yeah, I mean – both tours do a pretty good job of making sure that the caddies are taken care of. Um, but yeah, the PGA Tour, it just, it feels, it's like, it's special treatment out there for sure. I showed up in Detroit and in the caddy tent, there was a masseuse and a physio for us all week. And it was just like, we don't, we don't have that prairie tour. So it was definitely, definitely an upgrade. You went from, uh, just a normal job to feeling like you're in first class yeah it's, uh, it's not bad what are your thoughts on the name the corn fairy tour because personally i hate it and i think i'm finally getting used to saying it though so. yeah i mean the name i think it just kind of a little bit of a shell shock and once that uh wow factor wears off a little bit after a few weeks or a year or so i think i think everyone will be on board with it um yeah. i think I think the business is going to be great, and I think they're going to do a lot of really good things for the tour um, in these next coming years. So I think overall the change will be for the better. Um, for obviously, sure. people probably will still make jokes about the Corn Ferry Tour for a little while, but uh, I think everyone will get over it after a while. Oh, yeah. More money is better in the end. So. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, before and I get they've into already, they, oh, go, go ahead. Oh, they yeah, they already went and uh, added a uh, new site for Knoxville next year. Uh, it's going to be at Holston Hills, which is one of the best courses in Tennessee. So that it's a really good addition already um, to Corn Ferry Tour. So should be making yeah. some good strides in the right direction for sure. Yeah, so I know uh, before we get back to a couple more golf-related questions, you mentioned to me before that you're a huge sports fan, and you're actually a Rams fan, from what I take. Yeah, a big, uh, big Rams fan. Um, grew up. My dad was a Cowboys fan, and where I'm at in Pennsylvania, we don't really. We're like two hours from Philly, four from Pittsburgh, so don't really have a home team. And I wasn't going to jump on the Cowboys bandwagon. So when I was young, uh, Rams were pretty good, the greatest show on turf, and. Marshall Falk was like my my favorite player, so I just kind of stuck with him. Uh, it was brutal there for a little stretch from like 2004 to basically the last two years. But yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Saints starting fan, to, so starting to come into form. I'm a big oh, Saints fan, so any uh, apologies for how things went down, or are you convinced that they deserve to win the Rams? 
Oh no, I definitely don't think uh, don't think we deserve to win that game. But uh, not, I'm not taking back the call for sure. Uh, we'll let the replay go into effect this year, but uh, yeah, no, no regrets on that. Yeah, one year too late for you guys, but you guys can protest it. But uh, we'll still we'll take the W. Oh, we will. We're suing the league. We're suing everyone <laughs> for not sure why, but they're doing it. And then, personally, the most intriguing thing is that you mentioned you play competitive cornhole. I don't know if this is just like a Canadian thing that we have no idea what this is, except I played it at my brother's wedding once. But how does someone get into this competitively? And is there serious prize money with it? Because if so, I need to start practicing. Yeah, so we started throwing three years ago. My dad and I showed up. uh, My home golf course was having a tournament, like a winter league, uh, every Tuesday night in the winter. And we showed up thinking we were, like, decent backyard players. We're like, oh, we've played a bunch at parties and stuff. We'll be all right. And we showed up and just got tanked the first couple of weeks we went. And we're like, oh, my gosh. Like, these people do this, like, competitively, like, legitimately throwing, like, multiple nights a week and like practicing and then right after that um the acl which is the american cornhole league uh signed like a three-year deal with espn so they've had a bunch of their tournaments on this year uh i got to throw them the first major of the year down in fort lauderdale it was right between the bahamas event and the columbia event so it kind of worked out perfectly but uh yeah so there's like the prize money has been doubling and tripling each year um they just had the national championship in philly this past weekend and i think they paid out 250 grand in total prize money geez i need to get into this do you have a yeah so uh i mean there's there's tons of divisions and obviously like a lot of different tournaments that go on to pay that out but i mean i know the top teams are taking home they're probably splitting 10 grand um don't quote me on that, but I know it was at least five at the first major of the year. Well, that that is something I need to get involved in. I didn't know is it big. Yeah, you got to check it out. It, it's on. Uh, it was on uh, ESPN too. Uh, they had it on the Ocho all weekend. Yeah, I would have thought it was more of a southern state sport, but I guess you're from Pennsylvania, so they must play it there a lot. Yeah, um, we play. Um, in our conference up there, we have a lot of guys from Maryland. Uh, we get some guys from Northern Virginia that come up to all of our regionals, and uh, yeah, it's been fun. Uh, I had my I had a uh, skinny board with me out on tour this year for a little bit, uh, which is just like the middle of the board, and it's just cut straight down the middle, so you have to learn how to throw it pretty flat and pretty accurate. Yeah, who would you say is the best cornhole player on tour? Uh, last year, Matt Ryan and I got paired up. Uh, so in Springfield, Illinois, they had a blind draw tournament, like, at the golf course on Sunday. And we had missed the cut. And so Matt and I went to it, and we ended up actually getting paired up. And we uh, we took it down. And uh, Matt's pretty good. I told him if he had two months or so to put time in and practice, he, he, could, be, he could be up there with us. And, I mean, he was – he threw lights out there. We actually took down the Illinois women's state champ in the final. She was like, thrilled. She thought like we, Matt Ryan. He thought we were both just golfers. <laughs> like Matt Ryan, the quarterback. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I no, uh, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, Matt Ryan. He actually just won. Uh, I think it was an e golf event uh, last week, uh, mini tour event. So shout out to him. 
Wow, shout out Matt Ryan. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, cornhole has been uh, fun. We played in the Bahamas, I guess, well, last year in the Bahamas event. And, uh, Kevin Kevin Doherty and I uh, put it to Josh T and Ken Bull for a little bit that night. Me and Pete always joke about it whenever I see him. Yeah, there's one great video of you doing trick shots on cornhole on Twitter. People got to check it out. Yeah, uh, if you want to check that out, uh, my Twitter is uh, cheisey, H-E-I-S-E-Y, 3-3. But, yeah, it's uh, it's been fun. It's just some, it's a hobby on the side. If I ever uh, stop caddying, I'm sure I'll throw a full season. Go hard in cornhole? Like, yeah. <laughs> got to have, break gotta have something to take up time since I don't play much golf anymore. <laughs> it's a sport of the future. Oh, of course. Got to be something. So, yeah, so my co-host, Jerry, he's unfortunately not here, but he's actually a full-time caddy at Band and Dudes in Oregon, and he was dying to ask you some questions. So his first one was, what's your favorite piece of gear? Or if not a piece of gear, what's something you always use while out on the course? Um, As far as practice rounds or, like, tournament rounds? Yeah, as far as tournament rounds. Um, as far as tournament rounds, like the must have for for us out there, uh always gotta have your compass with you. Um making sure making sure you know where the wind direct wind direction's gonna be and that way if it starts to swirl on you you can figure out what direction it's coming out of if it's not it's not blowing the direction it was supposed to blow that day. Yeah, and he also wanted to know do you have any superstitions out there, like do you have to wear the same pair of socks or same pair of shoes every single round? Uh, so it just depends. Um, like if we have if we have a good finish, uh, like when we finished uh, second in Detroit, like I've started wearing uh, Greg Norman brand. They sent me a bunch of stuff about a month and a half ago, so I've been wearing that and uh, try to wear the same outfits. Yeah, if, if we need to go make some birdies, I'll uh, go take a look at the last low round we had and I'll uh, put that same outfit on see if it's got any birdies left in it. I love it. And then uh, our last question for you, which we ask everyone who's come on, uh, if you could be the president of one person's fan club in sports or wherever, who would it be and why? Hmm. That's a good question. I uh, Right now, uh, I think it would be uh, pretty fun to be the uh, president of the Max Homa fan club uh, and uh, control his Twitter for a week or two. I think so, too. He needs to auction it off. Yeah, I don't I don't think uh, I would be nearly as funny as him. Uh, not not quite that witty, but uh, yeah, either uh, Max or uh, the Aaron Fleener fan club's been uh, up and coming here now since him and JT won. So yeah, uh, I'm sure uh, the, the fans are blowing him up lately. For sure. Well, thanks a lot, Colton. Uh, it's been great. Thanks so much for coming on, and Hopefully we can speak to you again soon. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it was great. Uh, this is actually my first podcast, so uh look forward to doing more in the future. Well, Zach, I can honestly say I didn't have the pleasure of hearing the interview because it literally happened less than 24 hours ago, but I can't wait to hear it. I did not hear it, but I can already vouch for you that it's, it's gold. It's five stars. You got my questions in there. You got some other great questions in there, I'm sure. Um, yeah, your question was the biggest hit. The ending question. 
Well, blush. Um, how did how did you receive him overall? Just I mean, like his personality, like into, uh, other than just like the interview stuff, like off air. How was he? Oh, he seemed really great. He was so happy to to help out. He was happy to be on his first podcast as well. He just seemed his like first podcast. Yeah. Might just happen to be have to be like the Colton Heisey, like you know, fan club reciprocity there. I mean, he could be, you know, Barstool Sports has their guys, and freaking No Laying Up has their guys. It's like, well, if we pop this podcast, Cherry, exactly, I mean, you and I pop our podcast, Cherries, I feel almost weekly, like with just random stuff. So, I mean, it, this is the 72 Virgins thing all over again. Yeah, we have <laughs> Colton for sure, our guy, definitely very down to earth, cool guy, plays cornhole professionally, doesn't get cooler than that. Yeah, I've, I've played cornhole a bit, and it's a lot of fun, and I can only imagine that obviously there has to be a professional circuit, and uh, that sounds even better. I mean, it's like it's like watching professional beer pong. It's like, yeah, sure, I'll watch that. That's good. Some people are really good at this. I mean... Yeah, imagine how good you have to be to do it semi-professionally. I mean, there's a lot of people that play it. Well, shoot, I, I remember my girlfriend telling me that she was like one pin bowling average away from being a professional bowler, but when she told me what the average was, I was like, oh my god, that's like, to be professional, it was like 280 or something. I'm like, it was an average? Are you serious? She needs to train me in bowling. I'm like a 80 bowler. Well, me too, and she always wants to take me bowling, I always refuse. Bowling is no fun to me. It's uh, <laughs> no. Bowling is like the driving range. I don't want to embarrass myself and hurt myself and just get pissed off when I should be having fun. Exactly. That's the whole thing about golf. I don't want to be mad at golf. And yesterday when I was at the range, I was just like, the driving range might make me quit alone. But anyways. Um, so we really appreciate uh, Colton Heisey and uh, him coming back on being our first, his first time, etc. so forth. So... Sorry, I'm just writing down a timestamp here. Also, I've been uh, sorry. This is a little shout out to uh, my caddy friend Crazy, who runs Gorse Golf, and uh, you can Google Gorse, Gorse Golf. He he's been uh, burning up my lines, wanting to meet with me to get us to do like a weekly giveaway or something. If if anyone who's listening, you go to GorseGolf.com. I'm pretty sure that's the website. He's got uh, he makes head covers, and so far it's mostly just drivers and uh, three woods, and he's got some hats. I have a couple of the hats; they're awesome. I pretty much they're the two hats I wear golfing all the time. And he uh, wants to do like a weekly giveaway. These things, these head covers are usually like fifty bucks. The designs are so great. I haven't picked one out yet because there's like seven that I like, and in the end, I really only have one driver and one. Well, now it's a four wood, but I don't even have a head cover on my driver. <laughs> like I just like usually I'm not one of those guys who it's like as long as there's one thing to like block things from clattering around, I don't care. I mean it's. But um, anyways, I'll definitely get him in touch with you because uh, we, uh, sure. we want, he's, he's already talking partnerships and stuff like that. Like, you know, um, and I don't know how to work the business end with friends, honestly. So the three of us, uh, crazy if you're listening, because I know some of you guys in the shack listen to the podcast. Um, we'll, uh, I'll text you after this. We'll figure it out. Take the day off. Yeah, we'll work something out for you, buddy. But uh, I can't wait to uh, uh, for us to finish up business here so we can wrap up the pot. I want to hear that interview because he's a, he's a jock like me, and I know that I have, like, some questions in terms of, like, or just in general where it's like, well, how come some people get blisters and some don't? It's like, well, how come some people use Gold Bond and some use actually, like, lubricant in terms of, like, well, they, they're actually too dry down there or stuff like that. I mean, it's very... It's like, that's why I wanted you to ask. It's like, what gear does he... What he can't live without or whatever. I can't Do you have a guess that. as to what he said? Um. See now, if I was asking the question, I would I would preface it. Sorry to keep saying it, folks. I didn't hear the interview, but I would preface the question as saying like, uh, it doesn't have to be a piece of clothing. But I mean, it's like it, it could be like you know, like a certain energy bar. It's just like what is the or chapstick? Like what is the one thing you live without? But I would have to guess like like some type of 
compression underwear. Like, I mean, I feel like that's what I would say. Oh, it was. Like, do you want to know? No, you'll have to listen. No, I have to listen. It's way funnier. <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> I was gonna tell you. Okay, so uh, let's uh, let's talk golf real quick. Northern Trust. Well, actually, let's talk about Tiger first. Uh, I mean, everyone's out there shooting great scores, especially when the FedEx gun is put, pointed at your temple. It's This is why I really st- start to pay a little bit more attention to golf this time of year, and I feel kind of fuzzy because I'm like, hey, wait, what's going on? And then it's like, oh, wait, everyone's starting to really get their, their fighter pilot eyes in. And uh, Tiger shooting, what was it, three or four, four over the first Four round? over, yeah. He was essentially one off last place. I mean, there were only like five or six guys under par or something, or over par, and like yeah. four more, one over or something. I mean, what say you about Tiger? It's, so, is there any late, later news? Or new there's, news there's no new news. He does have a tee time, which is, I guess, as uh, as Nolan said, no, there's no bad news, so it's good well, news. But yeah, well, uh, DJ had a tea time the day after he fell down some stairs. I mean, come on. That's true. But I would say there's definitely some positives from it. The fact that he was actually doing so bad. If he was in contention or like top 30 and withdrew, it would be much more worrisome than he's basically dead last and withdrew. Maybe he just figured he knew he was going to miss the cut anyways. Why go out there on Friday when he knows everyone definitely wants to see him at the BMW? Right. Okay, well... Because I, I at first thought his season was over. What's that? I for sure figured his season was over after he withdrew, and then I was shocked to see he was playing the BMW, so maybe that was his mindset. I think if I were to, like, make a, a very easy prediction here whatsoever, uh, I mean, just at all, I think we're going to find out exactly what's left in Tiger's tank here. I mean, and I hate to say it, I'm leaning on the tank being empty or pessimist side, really. I mean... And, and like the no laying up guys said it, like I think this really, really um, puts into perspective Tiger's Masters win. Like I, I hate to like be that big advocate of saying like, wow, we're we're lucky we got that one, like Jack's eighty six Masters or whatever. But ultimately, that's because his, his performance in the majors hasn't been good. You know, his body's rejecting him again. And I've, I've said it when we started this podcast. When I joined on the website with you, I said all I want to do is see a full, healthy year from Tiger. And even in this comeback year where he won a major, it still wasn't a full, healthy year. How many tournaments has he played? Uh, maybe like seven or eight. I guess eight. Yeah. I mean, it's like you count the majors, that's four. I mean, can't be more than ten tournaments. No. I mean, really. It can't be. And I, I don't chastise Tiger for that. I mean, even back in the day when he only played 12 times or 13 times a year and it was like four of them were the majors, I was fine with that. It's like, yeah, Tiger can like punch his card wherever he wants to. And we... Even though we want to have it at more places, we got to put up with it because he's the star, and not only is he the star, he's a big one. So, mm-hmm. anywho, uh, Patrick Reed won the Northern Trust. I was a little bummed out at the last round results because everybody, save for one or two golfers, everyone just shot like a two, three under after everyone was kind of like lighting the course up the past week and a half. Uh, what say you? Yeah, it was a little odd. Uh, what, Patty Reed or Fatty Reed is. Uh... Blue Horseshoe likes to call him. That was his prediction basically from the start, which was pretty impressive. I kept seeing him preaching. I mean, I don't want to say that's like a pull out of your butt pick. I mean, but there's... That's pretty damn good. I mean, I didn't have Patrick Reed in my top ten last week. I really don't think I did. I can go back and look, but it's moot. I mean, it's... good. Hey, good on on Blue Horseshoe. um, he's, uh, He's at least gotten a pick right so far, and not to say Patrick Reed, it's like, oh, well, duh. It's like, well, Patrick Reed doesn't tee it up very often either. I mean, this is 
maybe he had some good recency at that course. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I didn't get to dive into it. And then while everyone's mad about this slow play stuff, the PJ Tour actually did something right, which I don't think many people realize. I think it was the second or third round with Rory when he picked up like a little piece of sand thinking it was a rock, and they gave him a two-shot penalty, and they actually rescinded it after the round, so good on them. Well, the PJ Tour, in my opinion, more often than not, they, they tend to do the right thing for their employees, and their employees are the players, because if you notice at all the events, like they, it's like the, the Salvation Army. They're staffed by a, a fleet of volunteers, which saves them a lot of money too, but at the same time, that can produce some pitfalls. I've seen the USGA do it uh, up close and personal. But that being said, it, I tend to think that, like, the, the USGA, I mean, the PJ tends to get it right. I mean, they, they really do, in my opinion, and, and I, I've always been an ardent supporter of the PGA because they, um, I mean, they protect their own. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it, I don't want to say like they're very secretive, but it's like there's about 80% of the golf, of like, stuff that happens with the golfers we don't know about because the PJ Tour is like, no, 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 we're in charge. These are our people, and you, you know, we're only we're only so big and there's not a right to know clause for this size of a company or whatever we're private f off so i mean that's what happened with john daly i mean not john daly well probably but uh, dustin johnson back in the day like he was genuinely genuinely like having a booger sugar problem from the, all those delicious nose clams and they kept like putting him on the injured whatever even though there wasn't an injured anything or like giving him like the rest of the season off whatever those are suspensions because uh you know dj liked the party i mean yeah you, you you wouldn't think of it from his uh, demeanor uh, and his sloth-like uh, gait, but um, did you see? Uh, did you hear about um, Brooks and Bryson talking on the putting green? Yeah, that was, that was funny. I, I I wish there was footage of that. I mean, I I had some friends who are um, went over to Portrush because they're friends with um, Bryson's caddy, uh, Tim Tucker. He came from Bandon Dunes, uh, from Coos Bay, Oregon, and he um, there was uh, Robbie Shanks and Josh Cupcake. And I don't know who else went. Just those were two names I know for sure. And they kept like fucking with DeChambeau the whole time. Like, like <laughs> you folks can't see me at home, but uh, like they'd see like they'd be walking along the fair and they'd see Bryce and like these two caddy friends of mine, and they'd be like you know on the ropes and they'd be like, "Hey, Bryce!" And like, and I see the motion of like putting two dicks in my mouth from opposite directions, like alternating. And Bryce would kind of like laugh or whatever and try like you know play along, but then they just came back and said. He is like the most sheltered, milk toast rich kid on the planet, and he wants to be cool. Like Bryson DeChambeau wants to be cool so bad, and that's why I've, I've, I'm not the first to say it. I think he, half of what he's saying right now, he's kind of trying to play the villain, like because he is saying a lot of like, like fun counterpoint stuff, but then he's saying a lot of contradictory stuff. Like I hate golf. Like, well, he's saying like he blames the caddies. It's just like. Wait, everything the caddy does is your fault. Like, literally. I mean, it's like, if, if it was up to the caddies, we wouldn't say a word to you, and we would just carry clubs. I mean, we're there to serve whatever need you need. And Tim, I know Tim Tucker personally. He doesn't need that bag. He's a normal caddy. He's fine. Like, he just does what, as any good jock does. You do what your man needs or your woman needs that day. Like, it's just like you do what your player needs, and if they need you to be all sciencey and, like, over-the-top and engaging, that's what Bryson needs, fine. But... Tim Tucker's a millionaire because of Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, yeah. Tim Tucker fired Bryson DeChambeau. Bryson, like, nine months later, came crawling back to him again. I mean, it's it very like, odd. It was a couple years ago or something. Bryson fired Tim, and then Bryson came crawling back to Tim. And Tim at first was like, I don't want to work for you. I don't want to work on tour at all. I don't need to. <laughs> but anyways, uh, it's, but that that's just so perfect of, like, of Bryson going to to uh uh kept this caddy and say hey <laughs> like 
<laughs> poking him in the chest. Hey, if your man has a problem with me, he's like thumbing his chest. He can yeah, tell like, me. <laughs> Brooks will kill him. You just picture like Brooks staying behind him, like chewing gum, like staring up, like a foot over his head, going, "Hey, man, what's up?" <laughs> like Brooks didn't care. Brooks is just kind of like I think he was just trying to like show up, Bryson. Like Brooks is like. Brooks doesn't need an image. His image is like bashing everybody else to pieces, and and it's like until you beat him, I mean, what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But uh, I like Patrick Reed. Sorry to, to bring it back to a lot of things. It's like I happen to like these villains or whatever. But if you go back and listen to all the things Bryson says, half of them literally are contradictory, and it's and it's kind of which makes me think I think he's liking this too much and doesn't know how to play the villain, like. I think I'm expecting him to put on a top hat and like uh, and like twist his mustache and throw a cape over his uh, arm and go and jump into like a hot air balloon and like take off. I saw something very cool though on Patrick Reed. I'm pretty sure of players. He's one of four players with Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, and Brooks Kepka to have seven PGA Tour wins in a major. That's pretty good. Under thirty. I've always been been a big advocate of uh, once you hit. And uh, me and me and John are LPGA writer. I've uh, gotten into this before on Twitter, but somebody else said a long time ago. I don't know if it's the litmus test, but it was like Golf Magazine or Golf.com said, "Would you rather have?" I think we talked about this on the pod briefly. Um, Would you rather have ten PGA Tour victories or one major? And of course, a lot of us said the one major. But then I brought up, yeah, but there's a lot of one major champions who aren't Hall of Famers. You win ten tour events, you're technically a Hall of Famer. How does that sound? And you have a lot more money. And I use, like, your, your Matt Kuchers, your Brant Snedekers. These guys are, you guys might say, like, I'm, I'm diminishing the Hall of Fame by saying they're Hall of Famers. It's like, no, no, I'm not the one who makes the test. Those pe- those golfers, those two names I just mentioned, will be Hall of Famers, even if they win no majors. Yeah. Incredible golfers. And Charles Howell III might be a Hall of Famer if they really actually, like, like, like really sharpen their pencils and, like, sit down and work on a ballot. I mean, it makes sense to me. So, anyways... Talk about real quick because I want to look up because uh, he's still cranking out checks this year. I want to look up Charles Howell III's um, uh, career earnings. But uh, we got Tiger coming up at the beach BMW Championship trying to play here at Medina. What do you know about Medina in Chicago? Oh, Anything? Well, before we get to that, I realize I have to give one shout out. It'll also be a mix with our Canadian Fun Fact of the Week to a guy we interviewed on the pod. Well, we had on the pod Taylor Pendrith. He was on. Listen, oh, yeah. he's out on the McKenzie Tour, top five, go to the web.com, sorry, Corn Ferry Tour next year. Listen to this guy's finishes. He was like 40th in the order of merit, or 50th in the order of merit, needed top five with five weeks to go. Uh, his finishes, T16, second, T3, T3, first, fifth. Wow. That's Wild. Impressive. And now he's finished fourth. Took home a nice eighty-four thousand dollars too on the Canadian tour. That's Canadian tour doesn't pay out too much, so to win eighty-four thousand there, you know you have to be doing well. This stinks. I can't. It, it's not coming up with his um, <clears throat> story of my life. His, People hate Canadians. The money he had. Well, I know back when Charles Howell III was like twenty-second in the all-time money list, he had twenty-two million dollars. He's nineteenth in the all-time money list. Charles Howell III is a top twenty all-time earner on a list that includes. Uh, right in front of an 18, Jordan Spieth. Right behind him, Ricky Fowler. But, I mean, Ricky Fowler has been around and he's won a lot. I mean, Ricky Fowler's a Hall of Fame golfer. I mean, he is. He doesn't, he can, Ricky Fowler doesn't have to win another tournament, in my opinion. He's a Hall of Fame golfer. He, really? He has brand recognition. Like, if you take a guy like Arnold Palmer, 
and he and take half of his wins away, he would still be just as incredible and as endeared and as loved and as Hall of Fame worthy as ever. Like, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know if Ricky's had such an effect though on the world of golf necessarily, except for boosting Puma's sales. Like, he's obviously Who, brought some well, kids uh, in. Other, yeah, but other than those dorks wearing the tiger outfit, like Danny DeVito trying to be a man cheater, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Who else dresses up like golfers and like like tries to get? Like, oh, that's true. The all orange jumpsuit. I mean, on one hand, somebody could argue it's just like, well, how could you dress up like another golfer? I'm like, exactly. Ricky is is that's why I like him as like an Arnold Palmer like um, alter ego. Well, not alter ego, like alternate, and so to speak, is because he's so branded and so marketable, and he's just so suave and cool, and he doesn't have to do it. He just has to smile and wink at the crowd, just like Arnie did. And that whole crowd would be like, oh, he winked at me, like and like it's just. It's just he, he has that effect or whatever. But uh, anyways, uh, but that list, though, it's a very special list because, well, yikes, Steve Stricker's 15th on that list, and he hasn't won a major. Um, Davis Love the third, one major, 14th on the list. You know what? I can get into this for days. So we'll, we'll, we'll just, that was just a little Charles Helm third deep dive, so to speak. But um, for the BMW Championship, you got any, uh, you got any, I mean, Tiger's going to tee it up. We'll see how that goes. But I think any made cut by Tiger, even though almost everyone in the field makes the cut, would be a success. See, and that's the thing. Part of me wishes, like, maybe he should just hang it up already, because uh, part of me is just like, are you, so let's just go say you, like, scrap it out and make the cut. Yeah, is he really going to win? So broken, maybe. I don't know. No, exactly. Unless he thinks he could win, I guess he shouldn't tee it up, but maybe. I guess he obviously does think he could win. Yeah, fair is fair. So, um, have you taken a look at this uh, at the picks at all or anything? I mean, you like anybody this weekend? Uh, it's, I don't do, know too much about Medina except it's in Chicago and it's old and it's the only place Jim Furyk's won a major. I mean, I like DJ just because I think DJ's going to win one of these four playoff events. So, you know, he's actually—I I don't know if it's a Strux game putting or whatever—he's really stepped his shit up, and I really, really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, DJ, huh? I mean, fourteen to one. He's not the. That's technically on my on my list. That's third best in odds, but my machine has him finishing second in the tournament. Who are first two? Rory, I guess, is one, and Brooks. Rory, actually, I, I hate it when my machine does this. It has Rory winning the tournament, um, but he Rory's eight to one. Brooks is eight to one, but I have Brooks in the top five, and then DJ, JT, and Justin Rose are all fourteen to one. Wow. But uh, I don't know. I'm I'm liking Hideki a little bit. I mean, he's a uh, I can see him taking the top eight here. I got him at thirty-three to one. It's uh, Webb Simpson. Nobody sleep on uh, nobody sleep on Webb. What Simpson. about Speed? I'm happy for him. He's been turning it around. I like the guy. He, Jerry just gave me some look of disgust <laughs> for those who can't see. Yeah, I was about, I was about to say, like, folks, I just shot him a look. <laughs> all all you people talking about Jordan Speed are making me hate Jordan Speed, and he's done nothing wrong. I like him. I don't love Jordan Spieth. I was never one of his big fans, but I felt I felt bad for the guy, you know? Well, why aren't we talking about um, Smiley Kaufman's demise? You know, I'm yeah, well, that I feel very bad for him, too. Like, no, I'm just saying, like, the only guy who seems to be under a microscope is Jordan Spieth. So I say let's focus on other guys, or let's leave these guys alone where they're struggling. But we can't do that. We can't. Once you, once you, and Jordan Spieth, amazing young golfer, once you were placed under the microscope, you cannot be removed. I, it's, yeah. it, I don't think it works that way. I mean, unless you're Smiley Coffin, where it's like, I think he's just like, you know, for insurance purposes, just like faked his death or something. I mean, what the hell happened to Smiley Coffin? Yeah, this is one of the craziest years, though, for a player of, like, Spieth's caliber at one point to just completely 
like fall out of it. He was barely making cuts. Like Wasn't after. Wasn't he barely making cuts last year though? Like, yeah, I, I guess like a year and a half. I feel like this has been going on Is it, since he hasn't been winning majors. This has been happening. I know it's it's crazy though to me. He, he's uh, his star rose quickly, but I mean it, it's not. And none of it's his fault. I mean, that's why that's why I keep saying, like, can we not talk about Jordan Spieth? Because I start to, like, dislike him just because it's like he gets so much attention that it's just like, no, what he needs right now is, like, a year off and quiet or something. I don't know. I mean, kid, yeah. kid's doing fine. He's a three-time major winner, multimillionaire, so I don't feel bad for him either. Yeah, that's true. In that sense, I feel worse for Smiley Kaufman, although he's also made millions of dollars. So <laughs> no one who's made millions of dollars I feel that bad for. Well, if I uh, indeed, if I um, if my phone was a little more comprehensive in uh, looking up uh, information, I could multitask at the same time. I could probably come up with those numbers a little bit faster. But uh, <laughs> but hey, that's one of the best parts about this show is we uh, we start small like the Flintstones, and then eventually we're going to move out of bedrock. So exactly. Is there anything else you want to cover with the BMW Championship? I really don't. I mean, not to like cop out and say I don't have picks. Um, you know, I like how Webb Simpson's playing, but if I want to take a nice flyer, I'll take Hideki. Um, but that's really about it. My machine has Fleetwood in the top ten, and I don't know why. I, I didn't know he was still playing golf, honestly. <laughs> I, I love to hit on Fleetwood, because he's going to be, like, the, Europeans, the, the Europe, Europe's poster boy to, like, try and attack us and beat us in golf. And, yeah, that's all well and good, but I want to I see Tommy Fleetwood win a couple majors before I stop talking shit. <laughs> yeah, this is, like, one of my favorite events, though, of the year, in that there's, like, I think there might be 110 players teeing it up, or 130. Mm-hmm. What is it? So it's... Uh, I'm not sure. Here, hold on. Let's see. We have... Whoops. Well, my my machine stopped at 69. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, it's not nice. That's not very helpful. But... <laughs> But you get the majority making the cut, and it's all top-notch players. So it's like a W. Okay. It's like an extended WGC event. Right, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I do like that. I, t- I, I like that a bit. It's uh, plus they do they do they don't do it at Medina every year, do they? Uh, I think they do. Crap, man. Now I'm starting to sound real bad. This is it's moments like this when I'd be listening to a podcast when a host would sound like that, and I'd start punching the car stereo, going like, "You're an idiot, delete." <laughs> Yeah, fair. So, uh, so you already gave us the Canadian fun fact. Anything else uh, you want to cover? Um, um, not too much. I guess we're gonna be back next week. We're back on our regular schedule now. Do you? We have any fun interviews coming up? Or uh... Uh, we're actually. I'm working on an interview with a guy. I used to go. He used to be the golf instructor at a tennis academy. I used to play at when I was younger. His name's Francis Biondi. He's sort of working his way up the mini tours, but he's actually very interesting for those who aren't the biggest golf fans. He was on Master Chef and made a deep run there as like one of the fan favorites. You know, they always like feature someone in the show. Oh wow! So he was like the big fan favorite that everyone liked. That's very cool. Very cool. So yeah, hopefully we could talk to him, ask him some cooking advice because I'm going to be living alone next year, so I need to learn how to cook. Uh oh. It's not hard. It's cooking is a lot like I find like gardening where it seems like a big hobby or a big task or whatever. But like literally, once you start getting your hands dirty doing small stuff, it's literally it's it starts with just like boiling a dozen eggs, like to have hard boiled eggs or whatever, or like you know maybe like boiling some hot dogs or like you know or, or as opposed to like just I I don't like using a microwave ever. Like I I got I probably discovered the toaster oven at like age twenty nine, and I okay. love that thing. Like 
my girlfriend, she's the microwave for everything. It's like, no, you put the pizza in the toaster oven, it's crunchy again. And come on, it's... The microwave yeah. just turns into mush. I'm a big microwave user. Bagel bites? Love bagel bites. Well, you can't... Okay, don't get me wrong. Frozen foods do need to... They do need to go in the microwave, but, like, she microwaves bacon. Now... Oh, I've never heard of that. Yeah, exactly. Now, it works, but... And it's not as messy, but come on. She just said she just turned bacon into, like... Like... It's perfect. That, it's semi-rubber, like, it, 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 you need the moisture in there for the flavor. I mean, that Microwaving bacon. <laughs> Wild move. It sounds like a shitty weed strain name, microwave bacon. That's, you can start that. Sell it in Montreal where it's legal. No, I, brother, I can sell it in pretty much most of America where it's legal. Like, I get That's... a lot of golfers, I get these, I bought it from a, I bought the banded dispensary out of them, actually. They, they're these little, uh six uh, packs of um each one's like a little pre-rolled joint and it's uh, like a quarter gram comes in a six pack for six dollars and uh they actually have some variety like with some pretty strong strains so the one i got was like 26 percent, and then i came back the next day and i went to win- i looked through the window i'm like what's the price i'll take all 10 of those <laughs> i just bought them out of like the whole one. store please so half the golfers that we get like that's why my my only question i'll ever ask a golfer when i'm counting for him is where are you from like i'll figure the rest out if you want to tell me if you have a family or what you do for a living but where are you from can dictate a lot of stuff and half the states in this country still it's not that they're like hell i bet if this whole country had legal weed in every state 25 of the states would probably not even know about it or buy it just because they just it's just not their thing and and god bless people who are not into certain things i mean they're probably more healthy than me but that being said i, I get golfers time and again they're just like so this is oregon right we saw a bunch of dispensaries on our way in uh, so what's the deal with weed and i always say are you 21 is this america light up brother i mean it's it's it, Folks, anyone who ever asked me what the deal is with weed, I'm like, you ever heard of alcohol? It's literally the same thing. It's You can't do it in public, and you can't do it in drive. Other than that, light up. Crack a beer. It's, it's so no you guys, you can't smoke on the streets. No, 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 no. So here we could. Oh, that type of legal. Oh, interesting. Yeah, here it's like actually legal. Oh, that's like Portuguese legal where it's just... So like in Portugal, it's not even legal. It's uh, decriminalized. Same Amsterdam, it's not even legal. Do you know the, there's only one other country in the world where weed is legal? Uruguay. Interesting. I mean, I, I never. I guess I, I always use the term legal and I never took it as far as it, uh, as it should be. Yeah, I always assumed Amsterdam it was legal, but then I found that even there it's not. Hmm, interesting. Well, I mean, because... You know, well, you just were in Portugal. I heard everything was, I guess, not necessarily legal, but it's like anything goes there. Like, there's it's no decriminalized. For, but for everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I didn't really see firsthand, but I, that's what I read. I don't. But but you but you just vacation there, so it's not like the place is like like falling apart and like burning around you just because it's like they treat their narcotics completely decriminalized, which is always I've always been a picker of that. It's like, no, it's the, the exact we, same. The quicker we decriminalize and legalize everything. The quicker we'll get over a lot of problems. Yeah, some problems will still exist. Problems are always going to exist, but you know, we, we need to get over things where, like, I know in the major cities on the East Coast of America, if you were to legalize heroin or, like, make it cheaper, more available, or, like, regulated, God forbid, like, theft and crime and accidental violence would go way down. Because yeah. heroin's expensive, and on the West Coast of America out here, meth is cheap. So people are lazy and gross. But, anyways, forgive me. The narcotic soapbox... Uh, getting vapors from it. And that was our drug talk segment. Drug talk. No, we, we need to yeah, get a better sponsor and get a better name. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so is there anything else you want to uh, talk about, Zach? Uh, no, I think that's it. Alright, well, 
You can find me at Jerry Lou Looper one That's the number one on Twitter. That's pretty much the only place you can find me, unless you go to our website at www.fromthebacktees. Do we even need to say www anymore? Um, no, I, th- I don't think so anymore. Fromthebacktees.com, or help, fromthebacktees into Google, which is pretty much making it so you don't have to say .com. You'll find us. There's an About Us page. You can see catch the whole team. You can contact us. That's there. Send us shit, you know. Whatever you like. And, uh, Zach, where, you know, fill us in on the rest. Yeah, you could find our Twitter at From the Back Tees. And basically, like Jerry said, you can find, well, if you're listening to this podcast, you know where to find it. You could subscribe. That definitely helps out. Leave a review. We love our five star reviews. Big uh, ego yeah, booster. Actually, I noticed on the American side, I meant to tell you bad news, buddy. Um, we finally got a non five star review. Oh, it no. It was a three-star, but I couldn't find the written part, so I, it was just a three-star. Maybe somebody saw me say that, and they just threw a three-star in there just to throw the machine off, which, if you're listening, bravo. That was, uh, I got a little ahead of myself when I said, we got 24 reviews, and they're all five stars. Yeah, so we need five stars now to outweigh the three-star. Well, but hey, at least, and it's somebody, it has to be somebody who listens, who's like pulling a fun prank on us, or somebody who knows. Yeah, who gets three? That. Well, I've always said if you don't, yeah, exactly, if you don't like something, you, um, you give them like a it's one or five star or a zero and it's all in caps and you talk about how you're gonna like uh, murder their whole family after you put <laughs> trash or whatever and just like how stupid you are for making this podcast no somebody just threw a three star out there and like and, and if there was a concise opinion I'd probably like maybe lose a little sleep over it could be like that's a pretty good point Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but essentially that's where you could find us and uh, we hope you guys enjoyed and we'll see you next week uh, stay out of the bunkers today, Zach. I'll work on it. Can't get it out if I do. Fuck practice!